0: Welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Hey, listeners, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. My guest today was the director of finance worldwide apple he went to princeton has his master's in engineering did his uh, mba at stanford university worked decades at apple in big leadership jobs and one day the arrival of a new family member realized it was no longer sustainable or what he needed rusty gaylord is an executive coach at silicon valley dream builders i love this conversation with rusty we explore what it is in your life that you're moving towards. What kind of life do you want? How a coach can help you get there, but that's all within. What questions do you need to be asking yourself that you're currently not? We look at his career, which on the outside was uh, a very successful career. And we explore this idea that there's different ways of doing things and the status quo or what you thought you wanted isn't always the thing. Uh, We explore leadership, and this idea of helping people feel seen, heard, and understood as leaders, and leaning into difficult conversations with courage. Covered a lot in a short amount of time. I hope you like it. Here he is. Rusty Gaylord, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Thanks, Nate. Happy to be here. You know, the first thing that caught my attention when we met uh, online, as we did, and I saw what you were doing in the coaching world, um, is your background. Uh, Undergrad at Princeton, uh, University of Dayton, Master's, Stanford University, MBA, you're based in the Silicon Valley now, and you had a huge job at Apple, and one day you decided that that wasn't the right fit. Can you just share with our listeners your journey to this point today?
1: Absolutely. My early career, well, early, the first 20-odd years of my career, I I consider to be a very traditional kind of corporate experience. I grew up in a house where my dad put on a suit every morning and he went to the office. And he worked at the same company my entire life. that was my model of what success was that was clearly his model of success and that was kind of the path that i was following you know i so i went to after i graduated from college i went to work at general electric huge company jack welsh was the ceo right just like one of the biggest companies in the world at that point worked there for five years and then i left to go to business school at stanford after graduating a couple years after graduating i found my way to apple and this was in 2005 uh before the iphone was released And I was just, I was excited to be there. you know, At this point in my life, I really, so much of my energy and my self-identity and everything was tied up in my career. What mattered to me was checking the boxes, right? Did I go to a good school? Did I get a good job? Was I working at a company that people knew about? Did I have an important job? Was I climbing the ladder? Like all of these external metrics of success was what mattered to me. And this was all going great up until the point when my son was born. Now, when my son was about two, I was in this, I was the uh, worldwide director of finance at Apple and I was leading our global sales forecast for Apple. And it was a big job and it was a ton of pressure. My son was young and I wanna rewind it for a moment to when I was young. I was saying my dad put on a suit and went to work every day. He was almost always home for dinner and he was around and he was engaged in our life. And there was a part of me that just wanted more of his time and attention and energy as a kid. And I told myself at that point in life that when I got older and I have kids, I'm gonna commit more of my time and energy to my kids. So here I was, this worldwide director of finance at Apple. My son was about two years old at this point. And in a worldwide role, that means mornings and evenings and days. And it's just like the whole time is, is busy because I'm interacting with people all over the world. And I wanted to be home and be present with my son. And I didn't know how to do it. I really had no idea. How could I do both of these things? I really felt like I was failing at both because I couldn't do them successfully at the same time. Yeah. My mentality at that point in my life was a trade-off. It's like, well, it's gotta be this one or the other one. I can't do both. I now see that there's ways to do both, but I just, I didn't have that skill set at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I had to choose and I chose being home with my son. The result of that was a great personal decision and like shooting myself in the foot from a career standpoint. Because every the way I had defined myself up into that point was more success, climbing the ladder, going to the right schools, getting promoted. And to effectively demote myself, I lowered, I took a lower-level job on the team, was taking myself off of that ladder. And everything that had been important to me all of a sudden was in some ways absent. And that really started the beginning of a process that years later led me to becoming a coach.
0: Yeah. Most of us arrive at coaching in one way or another. And uh, how does that How does that experience now influence your coaching? It has a huge influence.
1: You know, I, I, f- for a couple of reasons, I, I would say the biggest one, is most people when they go and they look for a coach, they're they're going for a coach for a specific reason, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It may be, I don't like my boss or I'm unhappy in my job, but I don't know how to change. It may be, I feel like I've hit a ceiling and I'm trying to figure out how to get to the next level of success in my career. Mm -hmm. But the question I always start with people is what makes a good life? What's important to you? And I start with that question because we get so wrapped up in the external scorecard, just like I was describing for myself, this external scorecard of going to the right schools, getting the best grades, working at a big name company, getting promoted, all of that. we get. It's so easy to get wrapped up in how big is your house? What kind of car do you drive? What's your title? Are you growing? All of that, especially here in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And so I like to start people with that question of, hey, at some point, you're going to reach the end of your life. We all will. And you, you're going to get to that point. And inevitably people will reflect on their life and say, did I make good choices? Did I invest my time and energy doing things that matter to me? Am I happy with the kind of life I lived? And I would say, Hey, start asking those questions now. And maybe the answers you want to grow in your career and climb to the next level. Great. If that's the right answer for you. And maybe the answer is, I want to do that and I want to be home with my son and be engaged in my family. Great, if that's your answer. But you have to start with that because you need that kind of clarity before you can figure out what are you going to actually do to achieve
0: it. It reminds me of that sequence of coaching questions. You know, if you do nothing, where does this story go? Or if you make the changes that that you might not even see possible right now, where does the story go, right? Like that sort of positive Mm -hmm. or negative negative horizon and you saw where it was headed. If I could back up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I see you. uh...
1: Oh, I was just going to say about that. You know, when I was, I very much faced that series of questions when I was thinking about leaving Apple to become a coach because, you know, 25 years of my career at that point was invested in the corporate world, working in big companies, working for someone else. I got the MBA at Stanford. I did all of that. And I was contemplating walking away from that to become a coach. And it freaked me out. Um, And I had to ask myself exactly that. When I'm 80 years old or 90 years old and looking back at this moment, what will have been the better choice? The status quo to play it safe, to stay at Apple, or to take a huge risk to walk away and go start my own business. And when I asked myself the question that way, with the benefit of imagined hindsight, it was so obvious to me was that it? the right answer was to leave and go be a coach. Even if it was a miserable failure and it was a disaster and I had to go crawling back on my hands and knees to Apple and say, please take me back. I still had that sense that it would be the right choice.
0: I remember when I was getting into starting my own business 20 years ago, someone with a lot of experience said, you can always go get a job, Nate. And at that time in my career, I didn't actually believe that. I thought like being able to find a job was a really um, even that was great fortune and I don't mean to sound anything other than um, more experienced now than I was then but I think what he what he meant was when I look at the story that you just described 20 20 years of a career yes you absolutely could have gone back and get got another job if you Mm -hmm. needed to you were extremely employable with that type of experience right um yeah. and so what is it that's stopping people from taking the leap? And not everyone needs to go start their businesses, but what taking that leap to have that positive time horizon and start moving self moving yourself towards that 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 dream yeah. scenario? I,
1: you know, the as I've worked with so many different people and thought about this in my own life and watched other people make choices whether that's to continue the status quo or to make a choice to make a change. I believe so much of this comes down to one simple attribute and it's courage. Mm. It's the willingness to do something that you don't know what the outcome is gonna be. You know, people. I think people misunderstand courage. People think courage is the absence of fear. And it's not that at all. Courage is a willingness to move forward in the presence of fear. It's a willingness to say, I am, fe- I am nervous. I'm a little afraid about this. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know how it's going to turn out exactly, but I'm going to do it. And that's what courage is. And when you were talking about finding another job, for most of my career, finding a job was very intimidating to me. Hmm. Uh, I was always nervous about the interview process and will they like me and will I be accepted and just that whole, uh, that whole process, that whole emotional journey of getting a job. And I think what's changed in me now, when you were talking about experience, it's not that my qualifications are different or anything like that, but I just, I've got this belief that it's going to work out. It will turn out, it'll be okay. And if I can sit in that belief, that is really a place where courage is born. It may not work out exactly the way you want it to, but it'll work out.
0: It's that same value and characteristic that in our pre-interview, when we were talking about effective leadership it's having the courage to lean into things when they're uncomfortable so it's uh Mm -hmm. you know it's that it's that same um line of reasoning and value that that we can carry with us in the presence of fear yeah i was watching extreme skiing with my eight-year-old son on red bull tv last night right and there's these world-class skiers about to tip their skis onto this insane face and they're like this is terrifying. And that's what they love about it so much, right? To mm-hmm. imagine that, that we can do these things and lean into these things without fear, like your definition of courage. I, I love that. It's, it's, of course, it's there. And, and, and how do we do it anyway?
1: Yeah. And, and I just like to say, you know, you, you gave the example of the extreme skiing and we're kind of using my example of leaving a 20-year career to go start my own business but this exact same principle applies in all aspects of, your, of life. Mm-hmm. It can be sitting down to have an important conversation with your child that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, It's a, comfor- a subject that maybe you're uncomfortable with, or it could be ha- some, doing something at work. You know, I, One of my examples was a pretty major project that I was leading that failed at work because I was doing the thing that I was good at instead of the thing that I really needed to do. Because I was afraid. I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable with this thing that I really needed to do. I wasn't that good at it. And so I did the thing that I was really good at and the whole project didn't work. So I'm happy to give more details on that, but it's just an example that this principle (laughs) applies everywhere.
0: Love that segue. Yes. Please tell us more about that because it ties into this idea of overused strengths. You know, the things that we're good at, We, we do them sometimes too often or push them too far. So yeah, please do tell more.
1: Yeah, so I was, I was you know, in this role leading the forecast for Apple. And as a part of that, we were rolling out a new system. We were building a tool that, to automate the forecast and facilitate it. And what I was really good at, I was an engineer in engineering college. I'm really good at the analytics, the numbers, making sure that the math is all working right. So I was hyper-focused on the functionality of this tool. It had to work. People, and I needed to actually help people do their job. Now that's important, of course, when you're rolling out a new process, a new tool, it needs to work, you want it to be productive and actually make people's lives easier. What I missed was the whole buy-in process, the whole change management part, the whole working with the, not the people directly involved in the project, but the next one and two layers above them to say, hey, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it, make sure they're on board, engaging and addressing their concerns, because there was a decent amount of pushback and hesitation and concern. And I was under the belief, hey, if I solve the problem, all of the pushback will go away. Uh-huh. And I was wrong. Because the pushback is ultimately what sank the project. And we were two weeks away from going live, from turning this thing on. And my boss said, you know, I'm going to pull the plug. We just, we don't have the support to make this thing work. Wow. And it was very painful. It was a huge, from my experience, one of my biggest career failures in in my corporate career and it was because i was as you were just saying i was overplaying to my strengths i was doing what i was good at but i wasn't doing the important and uncomfortable thing and so for me that comes back to courage it's like are you willing to go face up to what you're nervous about and tackle it even though it's uncomfortable even though it's new even though you think you may not be good at it but it's what you need to do in order to move forward
0: wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be easy not necessarily great wouldn't it be easy if leadership was making cool stuff that works and then problem solved <laughs> if there weren't all these other humans involved as well who might just suddenly change their way of thinking right
1: yeah and wouldn't it be easy if you could do only what you're good at <laughs> yeah. instead of you know i think one of the things that a leader is called to do is to step forward into the things that they're uncomfortable Mm. with. Um, Whether you're a downhill skier skiing down some insane mountain, or you're a leader like I am leading a project and having to step forward and engage people in a perhaps uncomfortable conversation, whatever it is, are you willing to do those things? Because I believe that's what makes effective leaders. You have to have the courage to lean into those things even though they're uncomfortable.
0: I'm starting to think there's an absolute certainty, uh, as my experience clips along as a coach, that I will have a conversation with someone who's avoiding a tough conversation that they probably just need to have. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's like the one certainty in working with leaders is that there are conversations that must that must be had that that they're avoiding.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'll just say one little piece on that, which is many people don't even realize they're avoiding it or they're so used to avoiding it that they don't, They're just, it's just normal at this point. Uh, And I I think that's the real value of having a confidant, someone you can talk to, um, an advisor, whether it's a coach or in some other capacity, but Mm -hmm. having someone where you can actually talk about these things, that's, that's where that comes to light. And then you realize, oh, I'm not doing that. (laughs) You still don't want to do it, but you're willing to do it because you know that's what leads to growth.
0: Yes. My uh, mentor in coaching, I was struggling with a client. And after I bitched about it and explained the situation, said, I'm just curious what you shared about how you're experiencing this client. And I thought about it and I said, "Mm, I haven't. I've just been working really hard to, you know, win him over and ask just the right question. Well, what might you gain if you shared your experience with him? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe, you know, so you know where this story is going. I worked up the courage to share my experience with this client and two minutes later. And from that moment on, uh, the entire relationship changed. And so that question I carry with me often, what have you shared about this experience with this person that you're challenged by? And normally they say, Oh no, I just bitched to my friends or my, uh, my colleagues or my partner about it instead of taking action. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, so I've had that exact same experience with my clients and, the other really cool thing about that is usually whatever's happening in my dynamic with them is also happening in their dynamic with someone else, someone else they're working with, right? So it's that same thing. That's a dynamic between me and that other person is another is the same dynamic that's going on with that person in other aspects of their life, and so that's one of the real beauties is to shine light on it.
0: Yeah, yeah. If I notice it, it's it's. There's a highly highly likely that it's a thing. And that it's yeah. uh, that it's showing up in other areas. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Could you back up into your career where coaching was first introduced into your life uh, mm-hmm. that, that then led you to to pursue it as as that option that you were taking?
1: Absolutely. Yes, I uh, You know, so I, I told you about shooting myself in the foot with my career. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I did that and I was in that job for many years. And at some point along the way, you know, first couple of years were great. A few years into it, I said, you know, I really want to do work that is more meaningful, where I feel more engaged in my work. Because up until that point, a lot of my engagement came from progression and moving up the ladder. Mm. And since I had taken myself off of that track, I wanted to still feel engaged and like I was moving forward, just not in the same way that I was moving up the ladder. But so that was missing. So I was looking for that, but I didn't know how to find it. My, the question I kept asking was, what am I qualified to do? Who would hire me? What kind of job can I get? And I literally remember looking at my resume one day and saying, how can I leverage this experience into something I want to do? Mm. And I had no ideas. I couldn't come up with anything. So there were years where I was in that job because I couldn't come up with another path. And I, I just want to be clear, I had a great job. Apple's a wonderful company. I had a good job. I could manage it well. I was paid well. So there, there were a lot of really good things about that job. So I'm not making it to sound, out, to sound like I'm some kind of victim here because I know I'm not. I was in a very fortunate position. And I knew that I wanted something to change. I just didn't know how to do it. And so I felt very stuck in that aspect of this situation. Mm-hmm. It changed in literally 20 minutes When I was listening to a talk and this person stood up and just asked us to close our eyes and imagine what kind of life we would really want to create for ourselves in the most um, extreme version of success that we could imagine an extreme success meaning not just financial success but success meaning you love your life your life is fantastic in all aspects both in terms of the work you're doing your income your relationships your health your free time all of that and in that moment and she she then challenged us to say what are all can you let go of some of the reasons that stand in your way like how could i ever do that or I don't know the right people, or I don't have the right background, or I wouldn't make enough money, or what would my parents think, or my friends think, and to put all of those reasons away, and just imagine what would great success look like in your life, and she just, through that process that she walked us through, and in that 20 minutes, I just came to realize, what if I did this kind of work, what if I talked Mm. to people about what mattered in their life, because I'd had some experiences in my life, where I had people come into my life, where I, Really connected with them, and could share the ups and downs and the challenges and the failures of my own personal journey, and it was such a big impact in my life that I wanted to bring that to other people. So that was opening the door, which I then pretty quickly walked through and went down this path to become a coach.
0: Yeah, and tell us about that. We've we've talked about your your, your previous journey. Tell us about your your coaching, your business, and and where it's taken you.
1: Yeah, it's been wonderful and. Uh, perhaps not surprising to anybody listening to this story uh, more challenging than I thought it would be, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as described the first part of my career as like, it went really well. And I figured, well, this is going to go really well. And it, it has in many respects, and it's been challenging. I've come to this appreciation that the challenge is a fun part of the journey. It's what I actually like about what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it's been a real honor and a privilege to work with people. And be a part of them shaping their life in a way that's meaningful to them. And that looks anywhere from leaving their career to go back and get a master's degree and go into a whole different field to changing jobs to even staying in the same company, but doing their job differently so that they mm. make decisions more quickly. They have more time, they delegate things better and enjoy life more and just enjoy time for themselves and with their family and all of that. So the, I, and I share that just to say there's no, you know, when I go back to this question of what kind of life do you want, there's no right answer to that question. It's your answer to that question that matters. And thinking about what is it that you want, because once you get clear on that, you can do it. And that's the part that I love about the coaching work I do is seeing people realize that in their life is just, it's in, inspiring.
0: I appreciate that you took it there because we started with your journey, which did include a big career shift. And for anyone listening, you know, for the first time here or whatever, that's, that's, that's just the conversation that we were having, but much of what we do is helping people do things differently, more, more mm-hmm. meaningfully, more effectively to, you know, increase their leadership effectiveness, um, to, to get more, squeeze more out of, uh, out of, out of the experience out of the team so it's um, there's so many places that that the journey can go for a coach but also for someone uh, on the other side of it walking in step with us as we say you know the the um the title of the uh, episodes often comes at some point in the conversation and, and and I have a hunch that it's somewhere around the what kind of life do you want? Mm. Uh, what kind yeah. of life do you want? It it uh, which is one of the first questions you ask people, and I might even steal it. Uh, it really reminds me this is a matter of choices, and even in people in tough situations, mm-hmm. it's not just a life of privilege where you get to choose. There is a certain amount, a large amount, in people's control that they can choose to think about differently and approach differently, and and uh, it's a very tactical and and tangible um title to a very large topic
1: yeah yeah
0: i've cut something that you've said and i know it's intentional i learned it from the very same mentor i was talking about and instead of but mm-hmm. i think that's a thing for you right it is
1: it is and it's something that i am very imperfect at <laughs>
0: But you understand what I mean. I just did it. But, uh, you know, it, it, using that things are often in addition to and not uh, opposed to. Um, I just love uh, when I learned that it really changed my perspective, how, how to deliver information, how to have challenging conversations, how to hear people's perspectives that I agree with or that are new to me or that I even disagree with. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shift in the conversation here. But when I hear people use and instead of but. I feel like uh, it's worth exploring. What does it mean to you? Uh,
1: so I learned it through uh, improvisation. So in, in people who are in improvisation and there's people who bring improvisational techniques to business right. and in improv, you, there, it's always a yes and. There's never a no because if you say no it shuts down the conversation and but tends to shut down the conversation uh, mostly because it negates everything you say up until the but part and is just it's much more of an additive kind of experience of continuing the conversation and seeing where it can go so I, that that's for how i see it and it's actually quite related to another thing which i uh, have really adopted and and, and embraced with, the, with my clients, the people I work with, is to get out of an either-or thinking and to move into a both-and. I described when I was feeling stuck in my career because I had this big job, but I also wanted to be home with my son, it felt like an either-or decision. It's either going to be my job or it's going to be my family, but it can't be both. And the reality is there was a way to do both it would have required some courage because it would have required some difficult conversations, some difficult decisions, you know, making some trade-offs here and there, but I could have done it. And I see that now, but it's just my thinking at the time was either or, it's gonna be this or it's gonna be that. And so helping people to get out of that mindset into the, well, what are all the other ways that it could be? Because of course there are other ways it can be, So start to think about it and start to get curious. What are some of those things? And when you get curious about it, not that you have to do one of those, but you can at least identify them and see if something there is more attractive. So for me, that's another version of the using and instead of but. But it's a way of opening up the sense of possibilities and looking more broadly than what your initial impression might
0: be. We've gone from this either or uh, career decision that you thought you uh, might need to make we've explored the power of it from a not only a negotiation standpoint but from allowing people to be seen heard and understood not shutting it down and then you linked it to uh, having a curiosity about what options might be on the table a podcast called leading with curiosity I think we need to stop it right here. While I want to keep going a couple more hours, listeners have things to do today and I'm just going to land the plane right here. Rusty Gaylord, thank Perfect. you so much for your time. Can you let our listeners know where they might be able to track you down?
1: Absolutely. Uh, my My website is svdreambuilders.com. That stands for Silicon Valley Dream Builders, svdreambuilders.com. You can find my email there. It's rusty at svdreambuilders. Uh, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm there all the time. Uh, rusty Gaylord.
0: Thank you. And a big thank you to previous episode uh, guest, Ellen Hunkins, for connecting us. We met through his 30-day leadership challenge. Elaine was a great interview about leadership being a performance art. And I highly uh, encourage people interested uh, to listen to that episode. And yeah, Rusty, thanks again. Really great to be uh, here with you. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for listening to Leading with Curiosity. Please share, follow, and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world. Connect with Nate at natelesley.ca. And remember, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.